It's the reason people don't like etiquette. It's the reason people have such negative opinions about it because there are people that wield it like a cudgel like that. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we'll answer your questions on plus ones, how to handle a disingenuous date, whether or not to tattle to your TA, guests who don't like children, and when casual parties can create anxiety. All that plus a postscript segment on tips for hosting house guests and being a good house guest coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be a part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Today's show has a... a what you got for us? Something that you and I have been talking about for a couple weeks now. Okay. And it is implicit in a lot of what we do, but it's nice to get really explicit about it every once in a while. And Lizzie and I have been wanting to to do an acknowledgement and a great big thank you to all of the listeners out there that really make this show happen. The origin, the genesis of this idea came from the fact that the, the volume of questions that we receive now has gotten to the point where Lizzie, who, who manages the Awesome Etiquette email inbox, <laughs> gets so many that it's not necessarily possible to reply individually to every single one. and right. In fact, we've never been able to reply to everyone, and it started weighing on us. It really did. And and the idea that someone would they send us some, a, a message, a note, a question for the show even, and, and not get a, a, a direct reply of some sort felt really awkward. So yeah. we finally uh, got an unautomated system that'll help so people at least know that their message has been received. And we, we thank all of you for sending in everything that you've sent us. And it got us thinking about all the different ways that people support this show. Right. And the show is a dream for Lizzie and I. It's something that we thought about for years before we were able to really make it happen. And that dream has become a reality. It's become something we both appreciate so, so much. And the and only way it's going to stick around is through our audience growing and continuing to participate. We always say at the end of the show, there's no show without you. But we mean that every time. We don't. That's not just like a recording that we we recorded once and gets played. We record that every time. And I know Dan and I mean it every time we say it because without you, there isn't a show. It's just us back in our offices doing what we do. And this is truthfully I know for me, it's my favorite part of my job. Absolutely for yeah. me too. And the the that dream was always to have a conversation, to make et- etiquette relevant and current and about the things that we really think etiquette's about, which are, are problem-solving skills and relationship skills that help people – Build better relationships. <laughs> Build better relationships. Have more satisfying lives and Enjoy interactions their with interactions, each other. Exactly. And, and in order for that to happen, there has to be a genuine conversation. We have to hear about the situations and circumstances that people find themselves in and the, the thoughtful questions that we get, the, the thoughtful comments and interactions. And um, we appreciate it so, so much. What I love is how much our audience is willing to share that, you know, of course, we get tons of short questions. I have a little inbox folder of short cues <laughs> that we're going to do a short cues show for, you know, we're just rattle off 20 questions. But what I love 
is the fact that so many of our listeners have been willing to open themselves up, make themselves a little vulnerable and put that situation out there to be questions, to be thought of, to be, you know, thought through. And as you all know, we don't always give advice. We're like, oh, you definitely did the right thing. Or yes, you're always in the right. And it's vulnerable to put that question out there to two people that you listen to all the time. And I really appreciate the fact that our audience is willing to do that and share some of their lives with us in that way and with the rest of our listeners. The biggest joy of having all those emails come to my account is that I get to see how many times people write in and say, I took your advice and it really helped or I listened to this episode and it helped and now I have a question I want to ask you. It's it just it, it seriously brightens my day every single time. When I'm teaching on the road and I'm doing seminars, I always say, if you've got a question, if you have an idea or even a thought, if if something that I'm talking about makes you think of something, please share that inspiration. Put your hand up. If we have time, we'll talk about it. I guarantee it's going to be interesting to someone else here in the room. Well, and and I bet a lot of the questions that we get here and answer here help – Influence seminars. <laughs> they, they do. Um, this conversation is so valuable to us as yeah, well as to our listeners. Is. And again, I, I, we've said it repeatedly and we're going to keep saying it because we mean it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your <laughs> continued participation and support. And keep them coming. This is let, let me turn this appreciation into an invitation to yeah. please send your thoughts and your comments, your ideas, your suggestions for future shows. We want to hear it. We really do. (laughs) Thank you so, so much. Now, shall we get on to some questions? I think we should get on to some questions, yes. Sure, you're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. I was recently invited to an anniversary pool party, and my invitation indicated a plus one. I am single and would like to bring my son, who is 32 years old. I often go to events with my son and his girlfriend, and I think he would enjoy the party. A friend who was also invited cannot bring his wife, and we were wondering if it would be appropriate if he brought my son's girlfriend as his plus one. I love this question because my very first thought was, oh, yeah, totally, of course. (laughs) And then I was like, wait a second. No, technically... The invite that was issued to the husband and wife was issued (laughs) to the husband and wife. It wasn't issued to the husband with a plus one of anybody. And I think that while the numbers shake out, I think you need to think about the hosts. And who are these? Are these close family friends that you've known for years and you know they would have absolutely no problem with this? In fact, they'd think it was delightful. Or are these people who, you know, maybe – These types of social rules are really important to them, and they think it would kind of be a way that you have now manipulated their guest list. Mm -hmm. I think that you'll have a better sense than Dan or I ever would of who these hosts are and whether or not this would work out well. Um, Really try to think of it, though, when you come up with your answer of the host situation as opposed to yours because you you know when you really want something to turn out the way you want it to mm-hmm. and you're like how could I justify this how could I make this work in my head instead don't do that think okay I know these people what are they really like or I don't know them so that's probably not the good route to go mm-hmm. and I think that's how I would guide myself through that situation 
I think you've keyed on a little honesty, okay. which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and, and, and you found a point no that I... there's no clear-cut answer here, really. and, and I missed it. My first thought was, you know, that seems like it'd be fine for totally me also. Reasonable. But I, I think you're right about what the couple is... invitation. If you're really looking for the point of etiquette here, that plus one, your son is in the clear. Yeah. But the plus one for his girlfriend subbing in as someone's wife... Yeah, not so much. just just on that border. It is. So best of luck. We hope it turns out well. And... Um, You could call the host and just ask if this would be all right. And you could say, you know, totally understand if it's not. No one's feelings will be hurt. No one else knows of this idea, but I had this thought. And that might be a way that you could handle it. Generally, you don't call a host and ask if you can mess around with the guest list. But again, if you know them really well and you're concerned, then I think it wouldn't it wouldn't be harmful to ask. Okay, our next question we have titled Ditching a Disingenuous Date. And this one, um, I think this happens a little more than anyone would like to admit that it happens. And I like that there's etiquette on both sides of it. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I want to begin by thanking you. Awesome etiquette keeps me in check and reminds me to always be aware of how all my actions dictate what kind of a person I am and how others perceive me. Most recently, I was able to tackle a difficult subject with my father using several tactics that you've discussed numerous times. Upon hearing my approach, my mom told me she was so proud of how tactful and eloquent I was. Thank you so much for all your suggestions. They're so helpful. And now I have a dating etiquette question. Recently, I'd been on a few dates with a girl that I liked, but by the fourth date, she seemed unwilling to discuss anything but work. I was on the fence about asking her out for a fifth date, and my friend suggested that I wait for her to contact me first. Was this bad etiquette? Two weeks after our last date, she asked me out for an event that was that night. I didn't appreciate being asked out the day of because it made me feel like I was her last-minute date to the event. But I told myself I'd give it one more shot, so I accepted. A few hours later, she asked if I wanted to meet her at the theater 45 minutes before the event, which was a screening. I told her that that would work and I would be willing to pick her up as well. She then informed me that we would have to take separate cars because she had plans afterwards. The combination of being asked out the day of and then being told that there was a very specific timeline for the time we would spend together, especially at a screening which did not promote conversation, making it not a great date to begin with, made me really put off. And I canceled without giving her a reason. Was this poor etiquette on my part? If so, what's the proper way to address this issue? Thank you so much for your time and consideration. Your podcast is truly awesome. Grateful Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous, for your question. And uh, as Lizzie said, thanks for taking a a little walk out into the personal territory a little bit. I know that can be difficult. And, boy, dating can be a tricky world to navigate. Tell me about it. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) So so let's let's start with some of the simple parts (laughs) where you asked two very clear etiquette questions. The first was after four dates – was it bad etiquette to wait for her to contact you first for the fifth date? I don't think that's bad etiquette at all. If there's a very specific expectation that's been built in some way and you were going to change it, maybe. But in casual dating, it's perfectly reasonable for either person to ask the other person out after four dates where you've taken the initiative to wait for some sign from the other person that they're interested in. Yeah. It makes good sense to me. I think so. I think it's that great kind of, yeah, fourth or fifth date litmus test. Like, does this person want to keep seeing me? Or are they kind of just saying yes because they don't have anything to do on the nights that I call? Like, you know, I think it's a great litmus test. And it's a great time to see if someone else is ready to step up to the plate and really start participating in the relationship. Yes. Good etiquette there. We we actually, we (laughs) applaud. That's going to draw 
draw me into the next part of the question, mm-hmm. which is th- there comes a point in any dating relationship where you really start to look for signs from the other person, whether or not they're a good fit, whether or not they're someone that you have chemistry with that you're interested in, whether or not even if there's the, there is that chemistry, is the relationship going to work? Are you both right. compatible? And sometimes the only way to know is to test it a little bit. And, and, and as you spend more time together, you'll figure that out. And you're starting to get signs from this other person that maybe she has a different set of social expectations than you do. And, and you describe them very well in your question, the, 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 the very small amount of time between the invitation and the event that you're being invited for, mm-hmm. uh, a series of assumptions around mm-hmm. your participation. And, and the fact that she hadn't heard – he hadn't heard from her in two weeks and then all of a sudden, hey, do you want to come to this screening with me? Like yeah. there was no no text or even a light, hey, hope your week's going well in between, which I would expect from someone who really likes you and is interested. That makes sense. Yeah. As you're looking for those little cues that, yeah. that, that indicate those things. Also, it's it, while it's good for her to be clear about the amount of free time that she has, the nature of the date, as you say, it's not a great date to just show up, sit in a movie with someone at the end part ways. It doesn't give a lot of opportunity for interaction. That gives you another cue as to sort of what her intentions are for that date. The only thing I'm going to defend her on in that is that she asked him if he wanted to meet at the theater 45 minutes before the event. That Uh gives them almost an hour of time to talk together. And that's the only thing that when I read it, I said, well, she might not have been able to do anything afterwards because she already had plans. And maybe it's that she's invited to some after party that she can't bring a plus one to. But then I would think don't bring anyone to the screening at all, you know. But she did try to make some time for them to talk. a little bit of one-on-one time built in there. As far as not giving a reason for the cancel, that's on the borderline of bad etiquette. Definitely if if you've said yes and then you're going to pull out or you're going to stop replying to texts, um, some sort of explanation would definitely be a courtesy and and would be best practice, good form, and would would leave you with the the high road in terms of your decision-making going forward about this relationship. On some level, it comes down to a personal choice. Yep. <laughs> Are the rewards worth the troubles and the <laughs> difficulties? Right. And that's the process of dating is figuring out how those balance. Okay. So my question to you. Mm-hmm. Do you think now that he's done the cancellation and, you know, in my opinion, our anonymous listener is not feeling this anymore. Mm-hmm. And the question is, does he now explain his bad behavior or apologize? For, and I, uh, by the way, when I say bad behavior, I say that lately. I don't think you really did anything that horrible. Mm-hmm. But do you haven't loved how you felt by this person at various times and the things that they've done. Do we suggest to our anonymous listener that he take the high road and say, you know, I'd like to treat you the way I'd like to be treated. I'm sorry that I canceled night of that sort of a thing i was gonna say if you can do it with a light touch absolutely and i i felt like what you just said is (laughs) is a really great light touch i didn't mean to leave you hanging but i just wanted to say i'm sorry that i canceled the last night and you know i hope you had a good time anonymous oh (laughs) that's the best advice i can possibly (laughs) give you so we're gonna leave it there and and good luck in that tricky world of dating out there and have fun all right our next question has to deal with tattling to your ta Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm in grad school, although you'd think that people in their 20s and 30s would be respectful during class. That oftentimes isn't the case. There are a lot of people who spend all class talking to one another about unrelated matters while the teacher is lecturing. The irony? I'm in grad school for education, so these people want to be teachers themselves. I usually react by giving the stink eye, which sometimes works. 
This is the issue. Yesterday, the class was split up into two to prepare for a debate. Each half of the class met in a different room to discuss. One particular group of girls spent the entire time gossiping together, and it got so loud that I couldn't hear the discussion going on. Some people went up to the TA and said something to her about it, and the TA said that she too noticed and would talk to them after class. But it was getting really bad, so I turned around and said that we were all preparing for the debate and that we, meaning my table, couldn't hear because they were talking so much. Could they please keep it down? One of the girls responded, really loudly, I might add, she was just asking me a question. You don't need to be so rude about it. You know that's exactly how she said that, too. (laughs) (laughs) As a longtime listener to your podcast, I know that you typically suggest that when someone is being loud, when they shouldn't be, or otherwise behaving badly, we should go to the someone in an authoritative position to handle it. But because that didn't work, meaning by the time the TA talked to them, the class would be over, I thought it best to say something myself. Also, because this is a class situation, I felt like tattling to the teacher would be an inappropriate course of action. What should I have done? Sorry for the long letter. I hope you guys get a chance to answer my question. Best, anonymous. Anonymous, you've asked one of the tougher questions that we've gotten in a while. This is a really tough one. Lizzie and I were reading this question. We were looking at each other, sort of hands up you in the air. You answer it. You answer it. Looking at each other because it's it, you're really in a tough spot here. There's there's no question about it. And the, the rude behavior of your classmates is is a challenge. Well, and the doubly rude. I'm sorry. I think that her classmate was rude to say what she said. Oh, I it, just thought that was the, that was the bratty like. Something. It's got a mean girls feel. Yeah, I was just going to say, it was like something out of mean girls. Like, yep. yeah, it was just, that's the, ugh. that And that kind of response that she gave you is something that drives me nuts because at that point in your life, you're in your 20s and 30s. I just think you're adult enough to know better. And when your actions have disrupted someone else, just say, I'm sorry. Like, you know, just simply say, I'm sorry. And to add insult to injury, to then turn around and say, you're You're being rude. rude. Well, and loudly, (laughs) it's like. It's the reason people don't like etiquette. It's the reason people have such negative opinions about it because there are people that wield it like a cudgel like that. It reminds me of when you'd fight with your your sibling and your mom wasn't around. So you say something really loudly to get them in trouble. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's such. It's I'm going to say it is BS. Like, <laughs> I don't like it. I think it's just stupid. No. And and at the same time, <laughs> here you are dealing with somebody who's disrupting class, making it harder for you to pay attention and do what you want to do. And I and you're right. You're absolutely right. You're clearly your listener to this podcast mm-hmm. because our, our advice would be to talk to someone who can address it. And yeah. I. I I think that that advice still has standing. I think so, too. Of find someone who has standing. I appreciate the frustration that in the moment it's not going to address the issue. But talking to the TA about how they're, they're, they're losing control of the class. And at this stage, you could even say, and I've tried to talk to my classmates about it, but it hasn't See, been received well. That's and the then I would go you're for not sure. just tattling. You've, you've tried to deal with it on your own. And I also think that once we're in, a, in this stage, especially the stage of schooling, it's not tattling. Like, I'm sorry. <sighs> There, it's not. You tell I that agree. to five-year-olds because it's, you know, because it, it, it is. You're just like, no, you guys need to work it out among yourselves. But you've tried, like Dan said, you tried to do that. It didn't work. I would probably refrain from telling the TA that they've lost control of the class because <laughs> <laughs> that's just going to tick off the TA. But I would, good, good refinement. But I know Thank where you. Dan was going with that. And I, I completely agree. I think you just let them know, listen, I've tried to talk to them about this. It's not getting any better. Would you mind just really reining them in because this is important to me? 
and you take the steps that you can take. You try to sit somewhere else in the room. You try to build uh, some – The some, barrier that you can. And the, and the friendships that you can to get the people that are approaching the class the way you'd like to approach the class and, and posse up yourselves. <laughs> Find a way to sit in the block so that you can pay attention. Sit down front. Um, do everything that you can to, to wrest control of the situation back Showdown into your own hands. Showdown in Lecture Room 105. Oh, you, I'm sorry. My mother was always getting a higher degree. And as a young, as an elementary true. school student, I was always curious about it. That yeah. My mother would be going to these classes in the evening and, and it was always difficult. She was always spending a lot of time doing this. And, and she said, I love school. I love it. I love going. And I would say, oh, but I don't, for me, school, I don't like doing my homework. And she says, you know, you get to a point in your life where you realize what a privilege schooling is. Mm-hmm. And at, at graduate school, I, I'll never forget her telling me, she said, you only get A's. Because you're paying money to be there and you're a grown-up and you wouldn't go to graduate school if you didn't get an A. She was like, yeah. the, the graduate school, you either pass it and you excel or you fail out. And it was a really interesting perspective to me. And, and um, I hope that you can find yourself in a program, and I'm sure that you will, with other people of a similar serious and mature approach to their education. Last bit of advice is just – Take it to the next class. Obviously, it didn't work for this one, but definitely go to that TA. We think that that's the way to handle it after you've tried yourself. And as much as you can when you do decide to handle something yourself, and I think you were right to try it first in this situation, really try to control your own voice and your own volume so that someone can know, hey, it's not a huge deal, but you're affecting what I'm experiencing, and I would love to have that not be happening right now. <laughs> However the words are that make that happen, just really try to control your own tone, and it'll diminish someone else being able to be so bratty in return. We really hope that helps. Good luck and straight A's. <laughs> Our next question comes with a warning. Children present. <laughs> Dear Dan and Lizzie, I'm throwing a casual party for a group of friends, and one of these friends has made it clear he doesn't like children. Another couple is bringing their generally well-behaved toddler. They're new to the area, living in a temporary housing, and don't have a babysitter yet, so I want to make sure the whole family feels welcome, including their child. My question is, should I warn my friend, who doesn't like children, that there will be a child in attendance? (laughs) I'm sure he won't be mean or rude to the child or his parents, but I'm not sure if this is something I should mention so he knows what to expect. Any advice you could provide would be much appreciated. Erica. <laughs> I like this. I like this question, but I think you kind of answered it yourself. He won't be mean or rude to the child or his parents. So I think that that's just one of those things where he just needs to show up and accept whatever the party is going to be. Yeah. I don't think you have to tell people, oh, you know what it reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of the situations where um, – exes will be present, Mm -hmm. you know, and you just simply say, invite everybody, let them deal with their own problems. Children are in the world. Children are in the world. world. And this gentleman, clearly you recognize he knows it. I'm sure he recognizes that parties he goes to, there might be kids there. And I think he's just got to deal with this personally. And Mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful when there are plenty of parties that are adults only. And I'm sure he attends many of those. And I think you just shouldn't have to worry about this as a host. I don't think it's it's not like a peanut allergy. Okay. (laughs) I don't like the color turquoise. Is there going to be a lot of turquoise at this party? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you're okay to just not tell him and enjoy the party. And I think it's really considerate of you to have thought of this other couple and their situation and and why bringing the toddler would be so much easier and, and very welcoming. So enjoy the party. Have fun. Our final question today is the wondering wallflower. 
Greetings, Lizzie and Dan. Thanks in advance for your thoughts on my question regarding etiquette around meandering social events. Increasingly among my peer group, get-togethers have taken the form of casual potlucks and drop-by events rather than a sit-down dinner party or a gathering with a central focus or activity. For introverts like myself, a room filled with people milling around socializing without a plan to sit down together in a more intimate setting, like the dinner table, can be a little anxiety-inducing. After a couple of hours of circulating around a bustling scene like this, I feel fairly overstimulated and overwhelmed. At the same time, I don't want to appear rude by leaving the gathering too early before reaching that point. What is an appropriate amount of time to spend at these get-togethers without seeming hasty? Is it rude to stop by just for one hour? Sometimes I balk at accepting invitations because I feel like I should stay at the hosts for at least three hours or so. And to be honest, I get exhausted just thinking about it. Would you mind giving me your thoughts and advice on how, as a shy person, to handle these kinds of social gatherings? Thanks. Jack, a native Vermonter who now lives in Santa Cruz, California. Ah, hello. A transplant. A transplant. <clears throat> we miss you. We do miss you, and and uh, I'm jealous. Although I'm sure it's lovely out in Santa Cruz. I know Santa Cruz is really nice. <laughs> um, as far as the answer to your question, you don't need to worry about being rude, stopping by a potluck for just an hour. One of the really nice things about less formal or more casual events is that you don't have as many social obligations at them either. In the same way that you can't count on the form and the structure to provide that sit down experience for an intimate meal, the host can't count on that particular structure to keep you at their house for two hours (laughs) while they get through a series of courses. Um, I do want to say, though, I think he should at least stay until people have really eaten. I think that that's kind of a – for parties where food is the main event and like a potluck dinner, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to wait until people have really had a chance to get at the food and and have that minute. That would be my suggestion. Try to to share some food with people. Try to honor that experience. At the same time, it's it, it is a less formal event, and <laughs> that that has advantages as well as disadvantages. But thank you for bringing out and pointing out some of the disadvantages to a more casual event, because I, I've heard the expression "the tyranny of choice," <laughs> and sometimes having more options in front of us can be difficult. In fact, can be oppressive, can be overwhelming, paralyzing, um, particularly for an introvert. <laughs> and yeah. we talk about it in the business casual work world. That at one point in time, people knew exactly what was expected when they got up in the morning and what to wear when they went out to work. And uh-huh. more choice isn't always um, better. For for everyone. And I like this little reminder that for many of us, the structure is really comforting and can even provide a vehicle for more intimate um, relationships and experiences. So it's worth keeping that in mind as hosts and as people who are are thinking about how to participate socially and whether those structures and forms are important. Um, I ran into a friend and and he said, oh, she put together a really great hang. Actually, I think he was I think he was talking about Grace Potter, but mm-hmm. he he plays in a band with her husband and he was just like, you know, she puts on a really great hang. And I was like, what exactly? That? Is- well, I knew exactly what he meant, but it was so funny because, you know, typically you would think of someone like, oh, they put on a nice spread or they, you know, put on a nice party or that sort of thing. But we've gotten so casual in so many ways that I think. I'd love to make a call to our audience to be encouraged to throw not more structured and serious dinner parties, mm-hmm. but just don't be afraid to sit down at the dinner table with your friends for a dinner or say, you know, hey, yeah, dinner's going to be at eight. I'd love for people to show up at seven. Like, it'll be great. And I think this is a wonderful example of kind of a call to just 
a little bit more formality at times. Just not everything has to be community potluck dinner, casual drop in, drop out. Those are wonderful parties. They're really great, but it doesn't always have to be that way. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, so we hope that helps. And I'll leave you with one final piece of advice. When you find yourself experiencing that social anxiety, my wife Pooja would say, just take a minute, feel your feet on the ground, take a deep breath, ground into the experience and, and look around. There's very likely someone else like you in the room who might really appreciate a chance to take a seat and have a conversation. So you're going to be fine. Take a deep breath and enjoy the party. to everyone for sending in your questions and remember we love updates if we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions feel free to send it in you can also submit your question to awesome etiquette at emilypost.com leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860 or send it in via facebook or twitter just use the hashtag awesome etiquette so we know you want it on the show Today's postscript is an extension of last week's introduction, where yes. we started talking about how to initiate a house guest experience. And it got us thinking, boy, there is a lot of house guest etiquette that could be really important to share at this time of year. In fact, it's one of the, of the most sought topics for articles <laughs> from the Emily Post Institute at this time of year. Um, so we thought we would go through a list of some of our, our best tips for hosts and guests who are doing summer hosting. I love it. Let's go. As a host, the very first thing you want to do, and you are going to set the tone for this, is to invite clearly. Who are you willing to host? When are you willing to host? What can or will take place during this visit? So if this is just the adults, say that in your invitation. We would love to have you and Jim over for the weekend. It'll be a great adults getaway. And that way, if Jim and his partner have kids, they are very clearly aware of the fact, without you saying no children, that this is adults only. This is this is time for adults to play. I also think that those start, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, how about the weekend of such and such? Or how about... A week in August or something like that. And you really actually want to say, well, we could definitely do August 8th to the 12th, however long you can come during that time. That would be End great. Dates. End <laughs> dates are important. And then remember to let people know what's going to take place. Oh, we would love to have you up that week. I'm so glad you could come. Just so you know, Dan has a really big conference, so he's going to take Friday night to work on his presentation for it. Or I've got, you know, um, an event that is going on. But that would be such a great night for you guys to go out to dinner or experience this or that. Or there are things we can do together. And There's I'll tell you about those, show that too. weekend. Let's all go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You definitely want to discuss all of those particulars ahead of time. And um, along with those children, let's talk about pets ahead of time. Good idea. Both if there's pets in the house that people will be visiting and also if you travel with a menagerie. It's definitely <laughs> important to share this. Um, also for the host, you want to set up your house for your guests. Guest room should be clean and should be ready. That's fresh sheets, fresh towels. Um, it can be really nice to have some a, a fresh box of Kleenex on the dresser. It's also nice to have the wireless password ready for your guests. I would also recommend, and this is straight from Emily Post, that you spend a night in your guest room or 
on the pullout couch that your guests are going to be sleeping on or give yourself a trial run of what your guest experience is going to be like. You're going to figure out where all the little hiccups are in terms of their comfort um, ahead of time. And it's it's a really nice thing to do as you prepare. You definitely want to discuss any particulars of the visit ahead of time, uh, local events, sites and activities and any finances that are attached to them, whether you the host will be able to do this, whether you'll be able to pay for it, participate, just simply say, you know, um, oh, the I'm trying to think the great escape is like near us. So (laughs) the great escape is, is, you know, not that far away. It's a really fun day trip for the kids. Tickets are about $50 a family also for a family of four, that sort of a thing. That way the host kind of knows, oh, okay, that's something that if we go, I should be paying for. Or you can say, I've got I I got us all tickets to the event. I really want to treat you to this. That way they know what's going on there because it can get super awkward, especially when some some guests have ideas that, oh, because you're hosting me, you're going to pay for absolutely everything. And that's just not always the case. So be clear. There are gentle little ways that you can suggest and say these kinds of things. Definitely stock your house. The less grocery shopping you have to do during the visit, the more time you're going to have to spend together. Another really good tip for for the food portion of it is to make sure it's clear what's available to people and what's not. So if there is some cake for Julie's party on Saturday night, leave a little note on it or in the morning set out breakfast foods or make it clear that you're going to be cooking breakfast at 7 a.m. for everybody and – you know, you'll be putting stuff away by 10, but feel free to sleep in as late as you want. Talking about schedules and sort of how the house operates is a really important thing for your guests, because if you're up every day, you want to in early and you want your guests to feel rested, invite them to sleep in, but let them know there's going to start to be noises. The dogs get up at seven, you know, that sort of a thing. Yep. A final tip for hosts, and it's it's a little counterintuitive, is the idea of creating a little downtime. Definitely you want to allow for and make some space for you and your guests to recover yourselves. And there's going to be things that you both need to do that aren't things that you're going to want to do together. <laughs> so figuring out ways to allow for that I think is is important and will, will help everyone's enjoyment. And that's a really simple one. You can just say, hey – I'm going to go read by the pool for an hour. Guys, feel free to take a walk or enjoy a movie or come lounge by the pool as well. But whatever it is, invite them to take you, – you sort of invite your guests to take their own downtime. Yeah. But you simply say and put that boundary up of what you're going to do for yourself and kind of when it's going to be over so that they know then – You can bother me now. (laughs) Finally, you want to thank your guests for coming. And always want to make sure that they feel like they were really welcomed and that they had a good time. Most guests feel like they've imposed in some way, shape or form just by nature. And so it's always important to make them know that they were really welcome and they made your week a little bit better. One of the things that will make any experience as a house guest or a host more successful is understanding your role. And we were just talking about really important jobs for the host to play. So what happens when you change your role? As a guest, it's really important to be respectful of your host's time as well as their space. You also want to be really respectful of the dates and times of the visit so that you've met your basic agreement. Your host has been clear in their inviting and you want to be clear about how you participate and respond to that invitation. If your host hasn't made it clear to you about who is invited, double check before you just assume that kids or boyfriends or girlfriends or pets are invited. You know, hey, I can definitely find a sitter for Benny, but if he's welcome, I would love to be able to bring him. 
it's a really easy way for your host to then be able to take the out of, oh, you know what? It would be great if you did find a sitter for him. It's just a tough weekend to have a dog. Or, you know, oh, I wish we could allow for extra people, but unfortunately our house just doesn't accommodate it. That sort of a thing. It gives your host the out when you double check on who was invited. So another thing to keep in mind is a, a bit of a treat or a gift for your host. And that can happen a couple different ways. You could show up with something in hand. And there, there, that's certainly a, a great way to do it. You show up at the door and there's just – if you've thought about it ahead of time and that really sends a message. You can also offer to treat your host to something during the weekend. You could take them out to a dinner or um, m- make a little event out of, out of something that you do for them that's really something special and and be sure to communicate that your intent is to make that a treat for them uh, in thanks for them hosting you at their house. You can also follow up with a gift afterwards. Um, It's not absolutely necessary that you show up at the door, bell ringing with a package (laughs) and a bow. Um, But definitely you want to – the idea here is to communicate to your host how much you appreciate what they've done for you. Dan was talking about being respectful of your host space and keeping your belongings is especially a part of this. Um, really keeping them neat and tidy, keeping the room or the area that you've been given to stay in tidy is really important. So making your bed, hanging your towels on hooks, um, not having your clothes strewn everywhere, making sure you've cleaned up after yourself in the bathroom. These sorts of things are really going to help you respect your host's space um, and also make sure that should your host be invited inviting anyone over that you're not adding to mess of the house. And I think that that's really important. It's a really good mark of a good guest. And don't forget, at the very end of your visit, remember to ask your host how they'd like the linens dealt with. Some people want the bed stripped and things thrown into the washing machine. Other people say they'll take care of it. Um, It just depends on the household you're in. So ask your host what they would prefer. You can always offer to help. You can always offer to help bear some of the burden that your presence is going to bring. At the same time, you don't want to force it upon your host. You have to be prepared for them to say, no, that's quite all right. We've got it. You're well taken care of. And it's the the host-guest dance. Those of you who know that I love to dance know this is one of my favorite parts of the host-guest relationship. Can I help with that? No, that's quite all right. I've got it. Be ready for that polite refusal. Also be ready for, you know, (laughs) if you could grab that platter and follow me into the kitchen, that would be phenomenal. So don't offer to do something you wouldn't be willing to do. (laughs) Be prepared for it to be accepted or rejected, but stay flexible and gracious. And the offer for help is what's really important. You want to be respectful of your host's schedule while you visit. If they need to work or tend to something around the house, use that time to do something on your own. As Dan just said, you could offer to help out with whatever it is that might need doing, but also understand that this might be something that they just need to get done because of the way that their week is flowing. So be respectful of your host's schedule and know that they don't have to be entertaining you every second of the time that you visit. Yeah. We, we've said a couple times that you're a guest in someone's home. That's really likely. Um, that That's oftentimes some of the most private space someone has in their life. And you also want to be super extra respectful of that privacy. Um, in the past, that looked like staying out of medicine cabinets and drawers. Still does. <laughs> and, and today, it also includes staying off people's computers. Mm-hmm. And if there are open networks in the house, being careful about where you go on those networks or if you're using a shared computer or an office computer, being respectful of privacy there as well. 
Finally, you want to send a thank you note. As Dan mentioned, you might also want to send a gift if you weren't able to do anything during the visit. Um, but you want to thank your host for having such a great time. You can always offer to switch it up and reciprocate the invitation. Um, you don't have to, but it is it is good manners to. But really, spend time with that note saying something that you loved about the trip, um, how much you enjoyed it, and how much you enjoyed your time with them. And that will keep you in good stead as a good guest. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Our etiquette salute today is certain to make you hungry. This etiquette salute goes to my coworker, whose silver baking pan delivers treats so heavenly that the very sight of the pan on the counter makes us all say, ooh, when we walk in the door. This coworker is a talented baker, and she makes a special birthday cake for everyone's birthday. We're a team of 20, so she's making birthday treats more than once a month. She checks the calendar ahead of time because she knows people are too shy to announce their own birthday. Then she asks what kind of treat the birthday person wants and offers a bunch of delicious suggestions. Chocolate? Caramel? Rum cake? Cheesecake? Peanut butter pie? If you can't decide, she asks you for your favorite flavors or candies and makes up a special recipe. It's so heartwarming and thoughtful. It really makes you feel special on your birthday to have a homemade cake sitting on the counter in your honor. Thank you, Jen, for your generosity and thoughtfulness. Christina. Christina, thank you for your generosity and thoughtfulness sharing that question with us. We certainly appreciate it. And I just want to thank Virginia Kaiser, who was the Emily Post Cupcake Queen for many, many years. And I hope she's enjoying her retirement now and is out there somewhere listening to this podcast on a bike ride down the Danube. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, like we said in the beginning of the show, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-866-0860. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Hans Buto. Hans Buto.